Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, broadcasting live from the State Fair. Here, give yourselves a round of applause. Hello, everybody. I, I always say this to start the show. We do this because there's people that uh, don't believe we landed on the moon. They think that was all fake. And so for people who think that we're really not out here at the Wisconsin State Fair, I want to let everybody that's listening at home, you know, here. All right. Whenever we come out to the State Fair, there's always all sorts of funny stories. And, and let me share one with you, just, just between us. Um, our, our, our broadcast facility, the, the fishbowl here, and there's all sorts of people out watching, um, behind us and to my right, for all you folks who are watching, to, to your left, your immediate left, there, there's like this alley, and you can't get back there because there's a gate that kind of blocks it off with like this blue tarp. So you, you can't, it's, it's blocked off. Um, and back there, there's kind of like the service area for this facility and a couple of the others that are in this place where, where we're sitting. All right, and at the end of it, all right, here's a little secret that I'll just share. There's two bathrooms. All right, there's like there's like bathrooms and you, and you got keys and we have them and one's supposed to be a men's room, one's supposed to be a ladies' room. But everybody that that's in this little area, you you have the, these keys that you can use the bathroom. And it's kind of a nice little thing if you're between breaks. You know, you don't have to run down to the regular bathroom. Okay, so I come in today and apparently one of the two bathrooms is out of service. Don't even ask me what's going on in there, but it's it's out of service. Okay. So if Kathleen Leary is listening, Kathleen, they could use a plumber there. But, okay, that, that's number one. So then there, we're just down to one, all right? And there's keys that, that you have that open these doors. But you you learn early on, and I've been doing this for 20-some years, you learn early on that once you go in, there's a little bolt that you want to throw because you want to lock the door when you're inside it because other people have the keys. It's not just here at TMJ. It's everybody that's working this facility. So... To my left and your right, for everybody who's watching this here, right inside our pavilion, there's a booth. And we have a, a couple people that are, are a lot of my, my teammates. They, they come out and they, they staff it. And, for example, one of the gals who's back there now, lovely young lady, her name is Stephanie. This is her first time out at the fair working this. And she's a salesperson. for us. She does an absolutely great job. So she comes in and she says, Okay, how, where, where's the bathroom, et cetera, et cetera? And I explain, well, you take the key, you go through the sliding door, you take a right, you go down to, to the end. Now, the key to this story is, remember I, I told you that if you're in the bathroom, what you have to do is you have to lock the door from the inside, throw the bolt, because there's all sorts of other people that have the keys. So, so Stephanie heads down that way. She comes back about, oh, 45 seconds later. Now, I, I know that this is, this is too quick to, you know, to accomplish anything. And the poor gal, she's just bright red because she says she went to the door, opened the door as I, I told her to do it. And there's apparently some guy from somewhere who didn't learn the lesson that you're supposed to 
lock the door. So she opens up the door, and there's a guy in all his glory doing Lord knows what in that bathroom. And she comes back and says, I don't know what to do. I just I just kind of shut the door and ran. I said, well, I guess I would probably do that same thing. So the... the the bottom line, I said, well, Steph, there, there's all sorts of other bathrooms that are going down that other way. But it's just one of those little things that you you just got to remember. It's not necessarily a Wagner's rule of life yet. But it's, hey, when you're in there, make sure you lock the bathroom door unless you want other people to be surprised. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of stuff going on in the program today. The senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, he's out at the state fair apparently today. He's going to be joining me right after the 1 o'clock news. So we'll be talking to Senator Johnson. In addition, during the 1 o'clock hour, I just want to give everybody an alert. There, at Once a year, once a year, the federal government does this mandatory EAS test where they take over all the airwaves. And, you know, a lot of times for these, like, emergency broadcast tests, we can control when we do them. You have to do them within a designated time uh not today today is the one yearly one that it's supposed to happen at 120 hour time and we have no control over it the federal government just takes over the airwaves the problem is that so we, we can build around that we can say okay it's going to happen at 120 the problem is because it's the federal government they don't always do it when they say they're going to do it. So I think last year it was like at 124. So we're kind of twiddling our thumbs, and then you're trying to do the program, and all of a sudden the government takes over the airwaves. Um, sometime around 120, we are going to have that coming up. All right, here's where I want to start off the program. I don't understand why anyone would have an issue with this. What I'm talking about is the, these new ring cameras I don't know if you're familiar with that, R-I-N-G, um, what they are. And, and we have we have two at our house. We have one on the front door. We have one on the back door. You go out. You can go to any one of these stores. You buy them. And what they do is you kind of plug them into where your doorbell is. And they serve as a doorbell, but they also have cameras that are built into them. And what happens is you can hook up to an app over the Internet that that Ring has, and you can log in. And so it's really cool. What this is, it's a camera. And so when somebody comes to, in my case, either your front door or your back door, it notifies you that there is somebody there. You get this, this chime that kind of sounds like rushing water, and that's very cool. The other thing is it, it's a camera. So what you can do if you don't want to go to the front door or you're not home or whatever, you can pull up the Ring app. And you can see, either in real time, if you're doing it, you can see who's at your front door. You can also even talk to them, which is a kind of cool thing. Or let's say you're not home and you don't have the app you know, actuated. You don't have it turned on. But nevertheless, the camera is still working. And what you can do is you can go back and you can... You can log on, and the camera's always working, and you can see all the activity that occurred at your door over the last hour or the last two hours or, or whatever. So, you know, you can see what ends up happening. I, I love it. My um, uh, sister-in-law, Ruthie, and her husband, Kenny, they had one. My wife thought it was really, really cool, so actually Kenny was nice enough to come over to our house and install ones on, on both sides. So it, it's it's a great security device. But the other thing is it lets you see what's going on on your front porch. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can set the camera at different angles and at different distances. 
So, for example, for ours, it really is just focused on the front porch because when we first set it up, we had it, the way it was set up is, is it went all the way across the front lawn, and you could see the road in front of our house, the street that we live on. Well, the problem was every time a car went by, the thing would, would go off, and you know that that's kind of defeated the purpose. It became annoying. But you can set it like that if you want. So here's what's going on now. Apparently, in conjunction, and the Journal Sentinel has the story, in conjunction with the Milwaukee Police Department and a couple different business improvement districts, what they're doing is they are giving area residents in some areas, they are giving them these ring cameras that I just talked about. They're giving them to them either for free or at a discount. And here's the deal. If you take one of these cameras, you have to sign an agreement saying that you will cooperate with law enforcement's requests. So in other words, Let's say let's say there's a shooting on the street in front of your house, right? You're not home, but if law enforcement comes and they say, hey, we want to look at your camera. We want to look at the footage that's there to see if this thing that happened, if there's any, if, if we see anything, any evidence about the shooting that went on in front of your house. So that that's what they say. That's the trade-off. We'll give you the camera. Um, or either for free or at a discount, but we want you to agree that you will cooperate with law enforcement and you will let people have access to that. So the police can just come to your door and say, hey, you know, we're investigating this incident out in front of the house or that happened maybe in front of your neighbor's house. We want to see if your ring camera picked up anything. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no problem with this at all. As a matter of fact, I think this is a great example of the way that honest, law-abiding citizens can cooperate with the government. And I guess if something goes on in front of my house and there's a shooting or there's somebody that gets mugged or whatever, or there's an automobile accident or whatever, and you know my camera has documented some of this so you can figure out exactly what happened or who did it, I think this is great. Now, of course, you know, along with anything, you always get some objections. And so you have, quote, unquote, civil rights advocates and the ACLU saying, oh, this is terrible. This is awful because what you see is we're becoming this kind of giant growing surveillance state and the police are going to have access to an ever expanding network of cameras to which I say, yeah, 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Do you have any issue at all with these deals where you give people the ring cameras, they put them on their doorstep, and as a condition of getting the cameras, they agree that they're going to share the information with the police? To me, it's a win-win situation. You get the added security. Now, I mean, I bought mine, but I mean, if, if the police came to my door and knocked on it, I would be more than willing to share that information with them. But in this case, hey, somebody gives you the camera or they give it to you at a discount. I have no problem saying, yeah, come on in, look at it. If there's somebody that was across the street at my neighbor's house that stole packages and all, I don't want that person, you know, around stealing packages when they're on my, on my porch. Sure, I'll cooperate. 414-799-1620. Do you have any issues with this? I mean, I don't. We're back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
We're back. 414-799-1620. Carolyn Bayview text. I love Ring. I get a discount on my homeowner's insurance, and I just posted carjackers going through our alleys. You can shut off the chime if it annoys you. Yeah, I guess I... Look, is, is this a perfect product? No. And again, for example, in our case, the way I have the front door when focused, it really only shows the front porch. So if... I mean, you, you can't see the street in front of my house. That's, it's not focused on that because, again, I didn't want the cars setting it off. But at the same time, um, if you've got a wider view of it, why wouldn't you share it with the police? Julie in Kenosha. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? Well, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't be for this. I mean, to cooperate with law enforcement... You got nothing to hide. Why would you not help out our our great uh, our great team of police officers? Well, well, right. And and let's say like there was a story a week or two ago where you, you have the, the the guy that gets into the road rage thing on Forty Fourth Street or whatever, and there's this video of him, you know, pulling out a gun and shooting at the back of a car as it drives off. Why why wouldn't we want if we've got a camera that has evidence of that, why wouldn't we want that there to help prosecute the guy? I mean, I don't want people shooting at cars in my neighborhood or any neighborhood. Absolutely. I mean, help out the police officers and get these criminals in jail. With right. Thanks for, right. No, thanks for the call, Julie. And again, as far as... I mean, to me, is this perfect? Well, well no. I mean, I, I understand it's it's not perfect, and there's all sorts of things that can, you know, the weather can interfere with it and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that this is necessarily a perfect product. And by the way, I'm not encouraging people to, okay, drop your home security system and put up the ring. I'm just saying I have ring. I like it. Um, I, I And I certainly, if if somebody had come to me and said, hey, Jeff, we've got this deal where we're going to give you one of these for free um, or at a discount so you don't have to buy it yourself. And the only thing we expect you to do is if the cops want to see, you know, what happened, um, if something happened in front of your house, that you agree to give them access to the thing. I'm going to say, of course. I mean, I the police, here's my message. The police in my area, if you're ever looking for something that happened in our neighborhood and you want to check my ring camera, I, you don't have to even pay me to do that. Katie in Burlington. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I don't understand why these organizations are involved. I mean, no one's impeding on my civil rights unless I'm committing a crime. They're not going to find me on these tapes. So it... it blows my mind that I'd like to ask them if they were a victim of a crime at their home and they knew their neighbor had a camera, would they not want the police to cooperate as much as possible? You can't have it both ways. Well, well, right. And and keep in mind, I mean, we're not talking about any sort of invasion of privacy at all, because, for example, if you, Katie, you're sitting in your living room with the windows open and you see somebody in front of your house, Lord forbid, shoot somebody else. Well, you're going to be a witness to that anyways. You're going to tell the police what you saw. This is the same sort of premise, except there's just a camera. The camera stands in the position of you, but it's still it's stuff that's going on out in public. We're not talking about peeking into people's bedrooms or anything like that. We're talking about stuff that happens, you know, on the public thoroughfare or yeah, out in public that everybody can see. They're backwards on this. They should be advocating protecting the, the rights and civil rights of those people who have been systematically victimized by people in their neighborhoods. Start protecting these neighborhoods. Start helping them protect their home and their privacy and their belongings and their, their lives. I mean, that, they're just sitting on the wrong side of the issue. 
Right. And no, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. And I mean, see, I mean, here's the thing. You know, every every now now the fact that more and more people order stuff online, you um, you know, we we have the the porch pirates, the people that follow the delivery drivers around and then go up, and you always see that they you know they they rip off the packages after they're dropped off. Well, you know, what's one of the big ways that they catch them? They catch them because a lot of homeowners, whether it's these ring cameras or other forms of cameras that they have up there, they they, they catch the people that are doing it. Otherwise, you know, it, it's just you can't watch, for example, somebody's doorstep 24-7. But here with that there, you've got evidence. You're allowed to get people off the street. I guess I see this as an imperfect, admittedly, because it's not going to catch everything. But I, I look at this and say, you know, what's the harm of that? And then to, again, to the larger point, you know, if 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 the business association wants to underwrite the cost of these and the condition is you cooperate with the police I, I say that that's great that to me that's gravy because I'll cooperate with the police anyway because if somebody shot somebody in front of my house I, I want that person caught this is Jeff Wagner WTMJ welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ So very glad to have you with us. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. All right, here here is the story. And my question is going to be to you. Did the police do anything wrong? Now, let me back up. There will be times where you'll be out in urban areas and you have a number of different police departments that have police officers on horses. You know, the mounted patrols, you know, the sheriff's department has them. You'll see them in the parks. I, I they, they have they have police officers here at State Fair Park that are on, on horses. You know, they use them sometimes for crowd control in urban areas. All right, so here's what happens. Galveston, Texas, the other day, there there are police officers who are on a mounted patrol in Galveston. So they're out there, but they're regular police officers. They're enforcing the law. What happens is they get a call that there is a guy, thirty you know, some years old, right? Thirty four year, forty three year old guy who is apparently involved in, in what they describe as criminal trespass, and you know he, he's been acting up and creating a disturbance. So it's it's in the immediate area. Follow me now, where the mounted patrol is. So what happens is the mounted patrol officers, there's two of them, they get the call to go investigate. They arrive on the scene. They find this 43-year-old guy who is, again, he, he and nobody argues that he's guilt, not guilty of what he was doing. He's creating a disturbance, criminal trespass. So you've got these two mounted police officers. They, they find the guy, and they apprehend him. All right, So he's in the process of committing a crime. So now the question becomes, what do you do with him? I mean, they, they don't have another horse to throw him on. Apparently, first of all, they call for a transportation unit, like a, a squad car to come, but there's none immediately available. So what they decide to do, and this is a tactic that they are, they are taught. This is an approved procedure. They say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to walk him back to the staging area. We're going to ba- walk him back to, you know, where our, our, our horses are, where there's other law enforcement. And it's, apparently it's a couple blocks. So now here's the deal, though. You've got these two police officers that are on horseback, and you've got the guy, and there's no horse. So what they do is they handcuff him with his hands in front of him. 
And then what they do is they take like a rope and they tie it to the handcuffs. And so one of the officers is has the rope. And what they're doing is they lead the guy, you know, two blocks down and they lead him back to where their staging area is, where he can then be driven down to the Huskal and processed. Okay, so that that's the deal. Now I have to confess, I mean I've seen mounted patrol officers all the time and I've never thought of, you know, what happens if they have to make an arrest. Well, in this situation, this is one of, this is a tactic, and this is, I mean, this is one of the procedures you have. If you arrest somebody, you gotta take them into custody, you, you, you handcuff them, and, and you walk them back to the place. Alright? So, what happens here is they arrest the guy, they start walking him back, and he's handcuffed, and there's the, the, the rope, which is tied to the handcuffs, and they, they lead him back. Now, he's not injured, nothing like that. He gets back. Well, what happens is somebody along the way sees this and takes a picture of it. And then, okay, the Twitterverse explodes. Here are these two police officers, and they're leading this guy, you know, on, on a rope. You know, he's pulling him on a rope, and he's walking along with him, and, you know, back to this place. This is disgusting. This is inhumane. This is terrible. Now, the other detail in connection with this is the guy who was arrested is African-American. Right. And this is one of the things I want to talk about with you. Is it different if this was a white guy? Would this be an approved process because he's black? Does that change the dynamic? And I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff. And again, this is a tactic. These are not two officers going rogue. This is a tactic that they are trained to use. But because I think in large part because of the the guy's race, what happens is you have people that are just absolutely outraged. Here's one of the uh, one of the responses on Twitter. You don't even do a dog like that. It's inhumane. I don't care. And there's all sorts of people that are alluding to, you know, the 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 whole link with slavery and things like that. All right. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. Let, let's tee this up. This is what the police do. They made the arrest. They were bringing him back to the staging area, and he was handcuffed, and they were leading him with, with a rope. And the reason they were doing this, again, it's a, it's a training technique, is because there wasn't, there wasn't a car available to come get him. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're first. Oh, my gosh. That was horrible. I saw the, the video of the, what, what they were doing, and that reminded me of slavery years ago. Now, if they have to get him somewhere, then either wait until somebody comes and just wait, or have the police officer possibly get off the horse and walk with him. But that was unbelievably awful. If it was a white guy instead of a black guy, would you be bothered? Yes. I don't think that's okay. it's, it's alleged that he did this. He hasn't been committed of, committed to the, of a crime. Yeah, but, but he's going to be arrested. But, but, okay. but he, he's, he's, he's been arrested. Okay, tell me what it is that bothers you so much about this. I mean, he's, he's going to be t- arrested, so he's going to be taken into custody. Is it, is it the idea that he's being walked behind the horse that bothers you? No, I mean, he was be- between the two. He's paraded through the streets. That is un- unmentionable. There's no reason he should have to be doing that. 
Um, and if that is, is something that they have to get them there, then have that police officer get off the horse and walk with them instead of parading them through like some during the... Okay, but if, if the, I'm just curious, because if the police officer is walking him, and let's say the other guy's leading the horse and the other police officer's on, on foot, um, he's still going to be parading the guy, isn't he? Yes, he is, but at least it's showing him some respect that he's he's coming down and being with him. If they really have to get him there, but my first point is, then just wait. You know, let the other officer with the horse go do whatever he has to do, and then just wait there until there's a car available. I see no reason anybody should be paraded through the streets. Okay, thanks for the perspective. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, he was taken into custody. So you say you're not going to be parading him through the streets. I don't know. I mean, is that going to be the new standard that we have here, then, that if you, I don't know, if you get arrested and there's probable cause to do it, you're not going to be, you can't walk somebody, I don't know, is it a block, is it a quarter block, is it a half block? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The police officers, now, they're by the way, they're not being disciplined because they were following a technique um, which which they're trained. I mean, this is part of their policy. Uh, the concern is about the quote-unquote optics of this. All right, what did the police officers do wrong, if anything? We continue the conversation in just a moment. It's 1245. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back. A number of interesting texts. So in response to the lady who didn't want him paraded through the streets, that's a couple of blocks for 10 minutes. You'd rather have him held on the street corner for 30 minutes, maybe more, while waiting for a squad car? Hmm. Well, that's the issue. Uh, we have another. We got a lot of text here. Somebody else. Uh, let's see. They walked him like an animal, like a master showing off his buck. You not seeing the issue says more about you than anyone else. 414-799-1620. Um, another person said. I, I'm an African American. I don't see a problem. I mean, if, if he was hogtied first, uh, maybe, but I don't see a problem with this. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to William in Lake Geneva. Hi, William. How are you today, sir? I'm well, thank you. Okay, um, is is this is this a reason to criticize the Galveston Police Department? Um, no, um, I don't believe so. I believe the police officers were on horses doing their jobs. And uh, they arrested somebody, and they they used the horses to walk them to where they were going. I mean, if they would have been police officers in a vehicle, they would have pulled up, arrested them, and put them in the vehicle. Um, you know, I mean, he made the choice to be a, to do something wrong to become arrested. My my problem is is people are saying, oh, he's being paraded around, but nobody's saying, oh, why would he did something wrong? He was arrested. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you do something illegal. You're making a choice to do that thing illegal. If you get caught doing it, then you should have to pay the repercussions. I mean, and let me ask you this: Do you think this would be a story, same fact situation, except the the guy arrested was white instead of black? Do you think this would be a story? Oh no, this wouldn't even have made the news. I mean, this, this wouldn't have been. I mean, this would have wouldn't have been nothing. It would have. It was. I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened before. I wouldn't doubt. You know. So yeah. I, okay. I, I don't no. So. 
Right. Okay. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And, and by the way, I I agree with that premise. Now, w- without getting to the question of whether they should they should use this tactic or not, whether this is this is something that's appropriate, I I do agree with that. I, I think if the defendant in this case were you know a twenty seven year old you know white guy who was arrested the same sort of thing, I I don't think people would say oh this is terrible. Now I, I understand that there there is a difference because you've got the, this whole imagery thing, and I, I think there there are the optics that are there. Candidly, I, I think whether it's a white man or a black man, I think the officers would have been better off, as somebody said, I mean, one of them getting off the horse and just kind of walking him through um, to avoid the optics. But to me, it, it's more of an optic thing than, than anything else. And I guess the question becomes, you know, what do you do if you're this mounted patrol officer and you make this arrest? You've, you've got the horse. All right. I mean, do you then say, okay, well, we're going to wait with this guy on a street corner for a half hour, however long it takes? Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. A uh, couple of things. Hi, Jim. No, number one, I'm a staunch conservative that's sick and tired of PC um, problems. Uh, the political correctness issues. Number two, this fellow, I read up on it, he was mentally, he is mentally ill. It's not like he was some rapscallion. And the cops knew him well, and he's been in trouble before because of his mental illness. That being said, I think it was a horrible thing to do from an optics standpoint because of the history of African Americans Mm -hmm. being dragged through the streets Mm-hmm. and being killed uh, by white people who would drag them behind their pickup trucks or whatever. And, mm-hmm. yes, they weren't sure. doing that, but it's like one step away from that kind of optic. And uh, I think that, yes, the officer should have gotten off his horse and walked with him. Wouldn't have been a problem if it was a white guy, because not that many white guys get dragged behind uh, pick-em-up trucks in the South. In the past, that's been something that we've had to live with. Yeah, but of course we don't. But again, again, that's that's not what happened here. I mean, this was this was police like making an arrest. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think that the police then should completely get rid of this this tactic? Because I mean, I you, you mean it, it's either it's either a legitimate way of transporting somebody or it's not. And so I mean, I, it's just you wouldn't you wouldn't have a rule that said okay, uh, you can't transport African American defendants like this, but it's okay to transport white defendants like this. Um, I think what happened is they're changing the rule now to be uh, apl- applicable if there's a crowd control situation. So if they're faced with crowd control, which often horse, horse-mounted uh, officers right. do, uh, then it's still acceptable uh, per Galveston's uh, rules and regulations. Right. But otherwise, uh, no, it, it's not a good right. Okay. Good. Okay, th- thanks for pre- thanks for call. I appreciate. It. I guess see here here's how I look at it. To, to me, this is this is more about optics than than anything else. I mean, and I guess in, in today's very sensitized area, I understand that somebody sees this and they're appalled by this. Um, at the same time. I'm trying to view it from the perspective of law enforcement, you know, who's who's made this arrest of a guy who, as the previous caller was talking about, you know, has had some issues. They, they've got to deal with him, and they, they've got to get him, you know, where he's going. Now, I guess from an optics perspective, obviously, the ideal thing is you wait for the squad car to come and pick him up, and you put him in the squad car. Okay, that that's the ideal thing, and I guess 
If we don't live in a perfect world, though, I guess the second choice would be, okay, one of the officers gets off his horse and you walk him a block or two. But, I mean, of course, that has the potential to lead to problems as well. I'm glad these police officers aren't being disciplined because I understand I understand some people might not necessarily like the optics. But the bottom line of this is if, if somebody were to get hurt or whatever, then you'd have a much larger issue here. Galveston, as our last caller was saying, has apparently said at least for the time being they're going to suspend spend this procedure but i wonder what's happening all over the country because this this is a procedure that you know horse um uh, police officers on horses are taught how to use and there is in fact a reason for this because you know you don't want somebody running away and getting into a situation to fight with the police now that didn't happen in this case but let's say the guy uh, one of the officers gets off his horse he's trying to walk him and the guy starts to fight with the police officers and then the thing has escalated i understand bad optics here but from the perspective of a law enforcement thing i understand why it was that the police did this. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair, the Wisconsin State Fair, and I am joined in our broadcast facility by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, nice to see you here in person. Uh, it, 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 it's tremendous to have you out here. L- let's get right to this. The The news, of course, over the last couple of days has been the horrible thing that happened last weekend, the shooting at the Walmart in El Paso, and then... 18 hours later or whatever, the the shooting in Dayton. People are calling for a legislative response. What do you think and what's going to happen? So let me just kind of lay out an analogy for your listeners and for you. After 9-11, you know, the federal government did all kinds of things. We created this massive department, 240,000 people. Uh, There are problems with the Department of Homeland Security. But the most effective thing that we did as a government uh, that's prevented hijackings, prevented uh, airplanes being used as weapons, we just hardened the cockpit doors. So we had a hearing two weeks ago with the parents of the, uh, of the, some of the victims from Parkland, Florida, shooting. Right. They've been very proactive at just proposing very common-sense solutions. And that's what I'd ask everybody to look for, is let's look for that hardening the cockpit, cockpit door analogy for the current situation. So when it comes to school shootings, for example, lock classroom doors automatically. Make sure that uh, you can at least pull a shade down or or people can't see in the classroom. Make sure you have safe corners. Make sure you have just a single entry point uh, that's monitored in schools. I mean, these are just simple common sense things that schools throughout the nation have not universally adopted, even though these suggestions have been out there since Columbine. So let's find the areas of agreement there's plenty of areas where we disagree, uh, but let's find the areas of agreement that actually would be effective, that could be implemented quickly, that literally could mitigate some of these problems. And, and to that extent, is there room in that for maybe some things like that we would describe it as sort of gun control measures, whether it's, for example, the president through executive order banned the, the bump stocks, the things that took otherwise legal weapons and turned them into machine guns. Um, one of the things I've been saying for the last couple of days, Senator, is I, I don't understand why an average citizen needs a, a magazine in a gun that, that has 100 bullets that you can fire 100 shots without reloading. I don't get that. Well, again, what I would do is let's take a look at the specifications of any weapon, and then let's discuss you know what what really do americans 
you know, what is that right? I mean, right. We, you know, we, we've outlawed fully automatic weapons. Okay, what, what's the rate of firing? Yeah, I would certainly take a look at that. And a lot of people are talking about red flag laws. What I'd like to point out is what those things are really called, extreme risk protection orders. Right. Okay? So if we're going to look at these red flag laws, let's confine them to people that really do pose an extreme risk. Let's take a look at involuntary commitment. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a very similar type of issue. You've, you've got somebody disturbed enough that... The laws permit you to involuntarily commit that individual, take away their basic human right of their own individual freedom. Well, when you're talking about taking away somebody's gun, you're taking away a Second Amendment right that a lot of us do value uh, a lot, and I know a lot of people on the other side don't. So that's obviously going to be an area of contention, which is why I keep going back to, well, what are the areas of agreement of things that actually would work and help mitigate these things? And by the way, you know, you mentioned uh, you know, the number of rounds. There are so many guns on the streets of America already, you know, 400 million. Uh, there are millions of AR-15s and even millions more of, of uh, equivalent types of weapons. Uh, that cat's out of the bag. Right. So let's take a look at things that actually uh, mitigate some of the harm. Do you think that there will be some sort of legislative thing, something that's going to come out of Washington, say, in the next six months? Well, I know, you know, Chairman Graham, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, is talking about a national red flag law. Understand what he's talking about. He's talking about a grant program to, you know, what I would try and turn that grant program into is strict guidelines in terms of robust due process, making sure that you, you literally do have clear and convincing evidence, that so there would be stiff penalties for people lodging, you know, lodging false accusations. But again, it should be focused on extreme risk individuals. This, this should be uh, certainly the outlier. It should be the, the exception, not the rule. Well, and of course, most of the red flag, red flag laws, it's a state-by-state state thing. Right. Generally, you're going to go into state courts, and this is, of course, in Wisconsin. It's been an issue that we've had for years and years because the law says for involuntary commitment, you have to establish that the person is a, you know, poses a danger to himself or herself or someone else. And unfortunately, that's a very high standard to meet unless the person has actually done something to himself or to others. Yeah, Je Jeff, we have a real problem with what do you do with the not guilty yet? In, in our open society with our constitutional protections. What do you do that? You, you can compare, because now people are talking about domestic terrorism laws. Well, it's, it was a lot easier to pass international terrorism laws because those individuals overseas don't have constitutional rights that we need to protect. And by the way, we do need to protect these things. Uh, it, it doesn't, you don't have to go very far. Uh, and you can look at it in current history or current day events. Take a look at Venezuela. I mean, Venezuela, Venezuelans don't have guns, and so they can be dictated to and they can be abused by the Maduro regime right now. I mean, the Second Amendment is, is far more focused on protecting Americans from tyranny than they are in terms of gun rights. Right. And, that, and that's just a fact, and we need to be uh, cognizant of that. Right. Um, Senator, and I know, I, I always feel it's unfair when I'm talking to you or some of the other co the congressmen from Wisconsin to... to ask you to account for some of the things President Trump says or whatever. But but in, in the immediate aftermath of what happened over the weekend, you had a number of the Democrat presidential candidates who were tripping over themselves to say, okay, this this is President Trump's fault because of the, the rhetoric, etc. Do you buy any of that? Well, first of all, I don't, I don't see conservatives blaming Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or you know, other liberals when you have somebody who supports their ideology carry out one of these attacks like the guy in Dayton yeah I mean it's, you know we don't do that because we realize it's that it's the attacker is the one that's responsible for this not some elected official 
from my standpoint, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a Wisconsin guy, okay? Uh, I'm not a, a New York business guy. I'm a Wisconsin business guy. You have a different tone. I would like rhetoric on all sides of political, political spectrum to be toned down. What I would like to have is people focus on problems and solving them as opposed to just worrying about elections and what's popular and what rhetoric works and what doesn't work. You know, I actually want to solve problems. That's what I try and do day in and day out uh, as a United States Senator. Let me put on your, ask you to put on your political pundit hat. Um, is it possible to understate how important Wisconsin is going to be for the 2020 presidential election? No, we're ground zero. I think the president absolutely has to win the 10 electoral votes. And and if you're concerned about any of his rhetoric, I would ask people to take a look at what he's actually done in office. You know, we stopped adding to the regulatory burden. We had more competitive tax system. Uh, we have improved the economy. We've gone beyond the new normal of the Obama administration. And then take a look at the comparison. T- take a look at what Democrats are that are running for president, what they're proposing. You know, this massive Green New Deal, $90 trillion plus cost. Uh, Medicare for all, which is really Medicare for none because it ends Medicare. It ends employer-sponsored health care. Right. You, you, it's illegal to have employer-sponsored health care that uh, mimics those types of coverages. And take a look what they're talking about on the border. No, virtually no penalties, certainly not, no, no criminal penalties for crossing the border. Basically, legalize crossing the border, open the border, and then while you're at it, hey, let's give free health care to people who come to this country illegally. I mean, that, that I think, is, is crazy, and it would just exacerbate the problem, and yet that is exactly what President Trump is going to be running against, because virtually every Democrat presidential candidate is running on those issues. The conventional wisdom is that uh, former Vice President, former Senator Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. Do you buy into that, or is it too soon to tell? I think it's too soon to t- tell. Um, I-, I certainly wasn't impressed with his debate performance. I think, I think Joe Biden's a nice guy. I've met him a number of times. He's a, he's a gracious uh, individual. Uh, but he, he is getting a little long in the tooth. He's got a long record. And when you compare his politics versus the current politics of the Democrat Party, which is growing in terms of their socialist beliefs, uh, he's somewhat out of step. Um, of course, one of the other big issues over the last week and a half has been the turmoil in the stock market, and a lot of people attribute that to you know the ongoing trade war that appears that we're in the middle of with China. Now, I, I, I know... I think I know kind of where you come down as a businessman and stuff on the whole issue of trade. Are we approaching China correctly? We certainly have targeted or identified China as the main abuser, and they are. I mean, they steal our intellectual property through cyber theft, uh, espionage. They have not been following the World Trading Organization rules. Uh, their mercantilism is, for example, destroyed the steel industry in throughout countries. They're, they're targeting 10 other industries in, in Made in China 2025 initiative. So they are the problem. My preference would have been to have an, a united world demanding that China behave, stop stealing our stuff and, and follow the rules and, and be in compliance. Uh, we started trade wars with just about everybody, and now we're starting to wrap them up. I, I, I do call on Tammy Baldwin and Gwen Moore and Ron Kind and Mark Pocan to put pressure on Nancy Pelosi to bring up the USMCA and ratify it. That would be really good for Wisconsin farmers and manufacturers. That's their responsibility. They need to put pressure on Nancy Pelosi to do that. We do need to have trade agreements with the rest of the world, and then we need to go to China. But I'm highly concerned about the, the current state of affairs. I think it's proven that nobody wins a trade war. Yeah, I don't have any doubt that it's hurting China more than it's hurting us. But it is American consumers. It's American businesses, people who pay the tariffs. Um, and I am really concerned that China has just kind of given up on negotiations and are going to wait 
Trump out right. and hope that somebody that will be a pushover gets reelected. Be another, I think, another good reason to make sure you reelect President Trump because he'll he'll conclude this strategy. Senator, can you hang around for a sure. couple minutes? Okay, I got to take a quick break. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair, joined again by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Um, senator, we, we've talked last week or two weeks ago, we, we had a chance to discuss the, the border. And I know you were down at the border and had a number of different observations. Is there a solution or are we going to continue to you know, deal with the, the mass inflow of, of people seeking asylum? Oh, no, I, I think there's an obvious solution. It's, it's about getting bipartisan support for it. Uh, good news is uh, I haven't heard a Democrat recently, and I, partly because of my efforts of laying out the overwhelming nature of this problem, called a manufactured crisis. So they're, they're all realizing we, we've got an out-of-control problem here. Uh, the solution really lies in fixing our, our broken asylum law, which sets such a very low bar for the initial determination to just let people in. And then our courts are so backlogged, at least 800,000 cases backlogged. Uh, we adjudicate a few, ten, you know, maybe 30, 34, you know, 33,000 a year of family members coming from Central America out of a backlog of 800,000 immigration court cases. And so with such a low bar, family members, unaccompanied children can come into America and they, they basically are staying in indefinitely, which is a huge incentive for other people to leave uh, economically depressed and dangerous areas in in Central America, so it makes perfect sense. I I, I don't really harbor any ill will toward people who are trying to better their lives, but uh, the vast majority of them don't have a valid asylum claim. They're coming here for economic migration, jumping in front of the line of people that uh, the, you know the 1.1 million people that we grant legal permanent residency to per year. Uh, that's not fair to them either, and we can't we can't. Uh, assimilate them mm-hmm. rapidly enough. What you're not hearing about is the the human trafficking element, how these migrants are, are just being abused by these human traffickers. You're not hearing about how the schools are having to cope, not just with bilingual education, but out of Guatemala, there are multiple dialects. You're not hearing about unaccompanied children, 70% are male, 70% are 15 years or older. Some are definitely uh, gang members when they come in, but if not, they're certainly in the age category. Right. They don't speak the language. They're going to gravitate toward those sections of, of large cities, and the you know prime targets to become gang members. Gang activity is getting out of control in our inner cities, and so the, this, there's so many problems with this massive illegal flow that's uncontrolled. We need to convert it to a legal flow and control it based on our economic requirements. What I was struck by is, historically, when Congress first passed the, the asylum laws that you're talking about, the, the anticipation was you'd have 20 to perhaps 30,000 people a year that, that came in seeking asylum. Well, okay, that, that's you got probably 20,000 a week coming in, at least in some times. Well, th- there's refugees, and that's kind of the 20 to 30. Right now, that's a set of 30. Prior years have been 70, sometimes right. many 200,000 refugees from war zones, that type of thing. You know, from my standpoint, I, I look at some of you looking for asylum is maybe a sports hero coming in from Russia that, that all of a sudden isn't USA. Hey, I, I want asylum or, or some other political figures. It really is a very strict requirement. You have to be persecuted either by your government 
or your government can do nothing about being persecuted on five well-established areas. It's not about economic migration. It's not about being a refugee. It's not coming out of a war zone. Uh, it's very specific, and it really was designed for kind of the onesies and twosies, not thousands, but literally just kind of individuals, and this has been completely blown up, and that's why human traffickers are exploiting our, our very... Uh, lax asylum standards, and we've got to tighten them. So the solution is raising that bar so it more accurately reflects what a true asylum standard is. That way we'll be able to safely return. And by the way, we should be spending some money to make sure that there are areas, and there currently are areas down in Central America that are safe. They're completely different cities versus the rural areas. I, 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 we always conclude our interviews. I, I, I know... It's got, there's got to be all sorts of days, maybe every day, that's extremely frustrating in your job. But are you still having fun? It's not boring. I'll bet. you wake. I, I, I always imagine that, you know, I, I can picture whether it's you or some of your colleagues, you, you wake up and you go, this, this is what I think is on the agenda for today. And then, then something or some tweet or, or something somewhere, yeah. some issue kind of like changes the entire day for you. Fun is not the right word, <laughs> but, but no, it's enormously interesting. And, and, you know, hopefully it's important. We, we pass right to try. It's not going to save everybody, it, but it does give people a little more freedom, a little more hope that there's a positive impact that I've been able to have as a United States Senator. And hopefully I can work and get some bipartisan agreement on some of these issues, too, and help save lives. Senator Ron Johnson, thanks for joining us today. We're going to take a quick break. Back with much more. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, we're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Okay, now people come and watch us. And there, there's two lovely young ladies right outside the front here. So my, here, are, are, you, are you two sisters? No. Mom and daughter? Okay. All right. All right. I, it's, Honest mistake. Okay, all right. They're not not sisters, mom and daughter. Okay, well, this is one of these kind of PG thirteen things. Um, so you know, maybe sometimes, mom, you need to like stick fingers in the the their good orders, or she can handle. It. Okay, here's the story, um, and I've been fascinated. I'm fascinated to find out how you react to this. Okay, here's the deal. There is a police officer in North Carolina, and he, he's he's in a car. You know, he's doing like motor patrol. Car passes him. The guy driving the car makes an obscene gesture at the police officer. And we all know what that obscene gesture is. He makes the obscene gesture at the police officer. Why he makes the obscene gesture at the police officer, Lord only knows. What possessed him to do that, we don't know. But he makes the obscene gesture at the police officer. The police officer then pulls in behind him, puts on the bubble lights, and pulls him over for making the obscene gesture at him. So the police officer gets out of the car, goes up, asks for his license and registration, at which point the guy who's driving the car tells the police officer, well, to do something that's probably physically impossible and refuses to provide his license and registration. He refuses to identify himself to the police officer. All right, now you can see where this is going. And if I could give you some free legal advice from a recovering lawyer, again, if you just want to go about your daily business, the way this particular motorist handled this is probably not the, the best idea. So now he's been pulled over by the officer. He's refusing to identify himself to the officer. And he's refusing to provide identification. At this point in time, he ends up getting arrested because there's a law in North Carolina that says you have to provide identification when you're pulled over by the police. So at this point in time, we've taken you know an ordinary drive you know in the day, and we've now escalated it 
into a traffic stop, and we've escalated it now into an arrest. All right, so what happens then is the guy gets arrested for refusing to provide identification as required by the law. The guy goes to court, and he says, look, here's the deal. He said, I, yes, I acknowledge that I refuse to provide identification, but there was no basis to stop me in the first place. Yes, I made an obscene gesture at the police officer, but that did not give him the right to pull me over. So the way it all works is the legal doctrine is called fruit of the poisonous tree. Since The argument is, since he didn't have a legal right to pull me over, based on the simple fact that I made the obscene gesture at him, everything that happened afterwards, well, that's tainted. So I can't be convicted of the crime of refusing to provide the identification, etc., because... Uh, again, because what I did in the first place wasn't a crime, didn't give him probable cause to stop me. In other words, I, I should go free. So that's the question. Whether or not making the obscene gesture at the police officer in and of itself, did that give the officer, in your opinion, a basis to stop the guy? Guy says, hey, it's a free country. And, you know, I have a constitutional right to make obscene gestures at police officers. Uh, this, this is It's a First Amendment thing. He shouldn't have stopped me. Let's tee this up. And I'll, I'll tell you where I come down on this in a couple minutes. But this is one where I am genuinely curious to see how you respond. Facts are pretty straightforward. Guy makes an obscene gesture at the police officer. Police officer pulls him over. He then escalates it by refusing to give identification. He says, I should be able to make obscene gestures at police officers that doesn't give them a basis to stop me what do you think 414-799-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line and again i'm curious as to your reaction i'll tell you where i come down on this i'll also tell you what the court decided which might not necessarily be what i would have decided if i were the judge but how do you react should the police officers the mere fact that a guy in a car makes an obscene gesture at them, does that give the police officer, or should it give the police officer the right to detain them? 414-799-1620, that's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gru is back in the studio lining up the calls. We'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back broadcasting live from the State Fair. Now, I, I guess... I mean, the, the starting point is, constitutionally protected or not, what kind of idiot makes an obscene gesture at a police officer on, on the road? I mean, nothing good is going to come of that. And in this particular case, the North Carolina officer pulls the guy over, then he refuses to provide identification, which is in and of itself an offense. He says, look, um, yeah, I, yeah, I did this, but you got to let me go judge because there wasn't a legal basis to stop me in the first place all i did was make the obscene gesture all right should making an obscene gesture to police officer be a sufficient basis to get pulled over let's start with jeff on the south side hi jeff you're on wtmj hey jeff thanks for taking my call sure Um, what do you think i i don't agree with what the guy did but i believe there is a supreme court precedent that uh giving the cop the finger is uh covered under the first amendment uh, and this is going to be a really unpopular opinion. And I get, like I say, I don't agree with the guy did. However, maybe we should kind of turn up our, uh, introspection onto the, uh, police officer that if you're going to pull somebody over for giving you the finger, um, maybe you're not mm-hmm. exactly the most stable person either because that's kind of a road ragey thing. Like, 
Well, he gave me the finger. I got the badge, so I got the power. Right. Maybe recently. So I stopped. It, 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 would it make any difference if instead of making the obscene gesture, the guy had rolled down the window and screamed obscenities at the police officer? Would that change your thinking at all? Uh, I guess it would be it'd depend on the, the day and the time whether there were uh, people around. Um, okay. I mean, that's a whole whole different set of laws regarding screaming right. and obscenity. But uh, right. the finger gesture, I'm pretty sure there was a Supreme Court precedent that, that covers that under the First Amendment. Got it. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the perspective. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, what do you think about all this? Hi, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, my thoughts are that good the guy's Mike. an idiot for doing this in the first place, but the cop really does not have the right to pull over for that obscene gesture, the finger, but it does kind of open a door for him to uh, look for other infractions, like does he have insurance on the car? And that's like, you know, I, you know, it gives him a, an open door for doing that, but that'd be like, uh, I don't know. It's so what you're saying is that, what you're saying is you think maybe the guy just follows him and runs the license plate and sees if there's a tail light out or something like that. He's called attention to himself, so follow him to see if there's a basis to pull him over? Right, because uh, I think the guy's an idiot and should, you know, doesn't deserve any breaks. But anyway, that's my thought. Okay, good enough. Thanks to call, Mike. No, I, I it just, I mean, this is one of these sort of, when I, when I saw this story and I, I saw kind of the rationale of it, it, it I, it's, it's a very, very interesting situation because... I assume maybe this happens from time to time. Now, again, I don't understand the mindset of somebody who decides, hey, today there's, there's a police officer going by. I'm going to make obscene gestures at the police officer. I mean, it just it's kind of like, okay, and you thought this was going to work out well. How? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Joseph in Appleton. Joseph, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, I agree Please. that the officer should be able to pull somebody over like that simply because um, – it's it's not something that you'd want the masses to start doing. Of course, it's a show of disrespect, but he's totally calling himself out to be somebody that's probably not emotionally balanced to be. I don't know, be around. I mean, and right. what happened? What happened was probably a good thing, being that he decided not to, you know, give ID, which ended up with an obstruction charge. So I think everything worked out real well for that, but. Right, well, right, for maybe for society. Yeah. Okay, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Alice in Janesville. Hi, Alice. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey. Thanks, Jeff. Um, sadly, I think the guy is going to probably get off. Um, and I, I love my law enforcement officers, and um, they are so disrespected. So you hate to hear about something like this, but um, I'll bet the guy walks. Uh, do you know what happened? I do. I do. I'll tell you in just a minute. But I was wondering. I, no, no. I, 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 I do know what happened, and I, but I was, I'm just curious. I'm curious as to what you think. Tell me why you think he should walk. Um, wow, just because you're a jerk in a car flipping off a cop. I, you know, it's, okay. it is what it is. I, you know, something like that you just ignore because he's, he's probably a jerk 24 hours a day. Um, right, right, right. But I like Mike's idea that you kind of follow him around and wait for him to make a mistake. That probably well, it, it is. 
Well, yeah, karma can be, you know what. Yeah, it's, it, well, it yeah, is interesting exactly. because as a general rule, unfortunately, and I, I'm with you, I don't endorse this, but, you know, we live in a society that's gotten less and less civil. And, you know, if, if police were pulling people over every time somebody made an obscene gesture at somebody else exactly. in a car, um, you know, that's, yeah, that, that's it. Oh, thanks for the call, Alice. I appreciate it. Okay, let me, let me tell you what happened. And I, I have to tell you, I'm I'm not sure I necessarily, while I have no problem with the outcome, I'm not sure if I agree with how they did it. Because I, going back to just exactly what, what Alice was talking about, the reality is in today's, you, you drive up and down the, the roads and you have people making that gesture at each other all the time. Now, I you know, I, I'm not endorsing it. I don't do it. And I think particularly in an era where you have all these people with the impulse control of fruit flies that are out there and some of them that have guns and all these stories about road rage, I just don't think it's a good idea to provoke anybody. But yet there's people that do it and and they don't get arrested and they don't get pulled over. Now, here's what the Court of Appeals, the divided Court of Appeals in North Carolina said. They said to the guy who was making the obscene gesture, they said, you're out of luck, buddy. And they said, here's the deal. They said in North Carolina... There's a state statute of disorderly conduct, and they say that under the statute, it's illegal to make gestures plainly intended to provoke either violent retaliation and or cause a breach of the peace. So what the Court of Appeals said is, by making this obscene gesture, you were intending to provoke a violent reaction or cause a breach of the peace. And so they said, yes, you had committed a crime, there was a basis to pull you over, and so, you know, all this other stuff, in other words, the arrest is okay, and, you know, you you failed to give information, so, boom, you know, it's off to the races. That's what the Court of Appeals decided I have, and, and this is where I'm conflicted, as many of you who called in were. I'm, I, I, I have no sympathy for the guy who was was clearly being a jerk, and the the idea of walking around and making obscene gestures at police officers. I mean, you know, what what's that going to accomplish? At the same time, at the same time, I, I guess. Because this is unfortunately, as part of the coarsening of society, it happens so frequently. And the truth of the matter is, if I'm driving down the street, somebody makes an obscene gesture at me, and I call the police to report it, there's no way they're going to come out and investigate it and pull the person over for disorderly conduct. They're just not going to do it. So if they're not going to do it to protect me, my problem is, is it is it really different because you do it to a police officer? This is where the Court of Appeals came down. I candidly, and I'm not thrilled to say this, I think ultimately if this continues to get pursued, my guess is this ruling does not hold. I, I just, that's, that's not, that's my guess because the court says, well, yes, making the obscene gesture is constitutionally protected, as our first caller, Jeff from the South Side said, but they went on to say, but even though it's constitutionally protected, it can constitute disorderly conduct. So, I, I think this is a tough thing. If you want to take some free legal advice from a recovering lawyer here, um, if you're watching a police car go by, my advice would be put both hands on the wheel and just kind of pay attention to your driving and, and keep the one-finger salutes to yourself. Save them for, I don't know, when you're at home watching the Brewers game or something and something happens that upsets you. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. A lot of great stuff still to come on today's program. Should President Trump have gone where he went today? And should people like me be embracing not opposing these scooters. We'll discuss that in just a couple minutes. Stick around. 
Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We are at the State Fair. Give yourselves a round of applause. There we go. Okay, that's good. And nobody yells words or anything. That, that's good. See, I always have to apologize to the people that are out here because... Like during the breaks, sometimes I, I kind of get in my own little world. So, like for the last couple of minutes, and you forget that you're in this thing where there's all these windows and people are watching you. And I've got the computers to my right, and I've I've got my stack of stuff, and I'm I'm checking the email, and I'm checking the Twitter feeds, and I'm trying to think about what we're going to talk about next. And and then I just get wrapped up in that, and then I turn over my shoulder and I look, and there's all these people looking in at me, and it's always kind of like I, I I'm not really being rude. I'm not being rude. I'm just kind of in my own little world. Hey, big doings at the Wisconsin State Fair today. Matter of fact, I've I've seen a number of people walking around. The main stage performer this evening is Rick Springfield, um, who, of course, is if you are of a lady of a certain generation, Rick Springfield is just absolutely the bomb. There were three women out here earlier today, and they all had T-shirts on that said Jesse's Girl, and they were all autographed by Rick Springfield. So that's that. That's a big deal. I, I told this story yesterday, and, and it's true. I have I I know people um, who will. I, I don't know. They would never reach out to me and say, hey, Jeff, do you know anybody that can can you help me get tickets to see Bruce Springsteen or to see Jimmy Buffett or to see, you know, the Rolling Stones? But they'll, they'll call me and say, Rick Springfield, he's coming to the state fair. Do you have any ins? Can you get some really good tickets? There's something about Rick Springfield that really, I don't know, brings out the, the appeal in people. And, of course, if you're out here for Rick Springfield, also, this is the second night of, of Herman's Hermits that perform right here at the Associated Bank Amphitheater, which is just, you know, right down the, right down the way from where I'm sitting right now. And, and, and yesterday... Last night, I know a number of my friends went out. They camped out early. They got the seats, and they were wearing, like, British flags and things like that because they sent me a number of the photos. They got their pictures taken with uh, Peter Noon, who is the lead singer for Herman's Hermits and who's, you know, been around. I mean, I, I think... I, I think he broke in like when he was like 15 years old or something with Herman's Hermits as part of the British invasion. He he's still singing and he he looked looked great at least in those Twitter photos. So Herman's Hermits at eight o'clock tonight uh, at the Associated Bank Amphitheater. Rick Springfield at the State Fair main stage. Plenty of room. Come out and enjoy yourselves. All right. Um, matter of fact, tonight I, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm going down to Discovery World. This is the, the Rotary Club. Every Wednesday night, they have free music um, at Discovery World and stuff. And it, it's actually it's a wonderful venue. And and that's you know a number of friends of mine and I we're, we're going there to to take in the the band and stuff because uh, they do it on Wednesday nights. We did it a couple weeks ago. I just loved it. But when I was down there a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I noticed, and I've talked about this, is I, it was right after the rollout of these Lime scooters, and we've discussed this. And I was watching one scooter after another being driven like by people like a bat out of you know where on the sidewalks all of which is illegal and i was sitting there thinking you know maybe this is just a recovering lawyer in me but this stuff is an accident waiting to happen and the mayor i think to his credit you know in the first few days after these things were rolled out you know they were they were having they had over 100 complaints about people who were saying look you know these things are on the sidewalk etc cetera, etc cetera. they are a menace and the mayor came out and said look here here's the deal we are we're we're putting the brakes on this whole process and we're going to stop it we're not going to allow any more lime scooters 
at least for the time being, and we're not going to allow these other companies to put scooters in Milwaukee until we figure out some of these problems, Naming, namely people you know, just dumping them on the sidewalks so they are a hazard, people operating them on the sidewalks so they are a hazard, people riding two at a time on these scooters, you know, weaving in and out of traffic, making them a hazard. And I applauded the mayor. I thought, you know, that that's kind of my experience with these things. I mean, I understand why folks... I understand why people are riding on the sidewalks, because you don't want to be riding one of these things down Wisconsin Avenue dealing with buses and traffic. I think there is a place for the scooters, like down at the lakefront or maybe maybe up at UWM in the campus. But, of course, you know, Indiana, for example, University of in Bloomington, you know, they, they had scooters, and then they became such a hassle that, that they got rid of them. So I guess that that's kind of my attitude. I'm not really anti-scooter, but before we just roll these out and dump even more on the streets, I, I think they really need to have a take a pause and see if this is really the best idea. And I will tell you, Chicago is a couple months ahead of us. They, they, they started their rollout earlier on, and there it's not a day goes by that there's not a story in the Chicago Tribune about, you know, problems with with scooters, whether it's, you know, it had pedestrians being injured, scooter riders being injured, things like that. All right. So the Business Journal has an opinion piece written by a couple people, you know, in town that takes the opposite position. The headline is city should be embracing, not stalling scooters. Let me share a portion of it with you. Recent reports that the city of Milwaukee is putting a temporary pause on its trial scooter program is disappointing. The city should be embracing this new form of transportation, not putting up roadblocks. Over the course of the first nine days of the pilot program, scooters are quickly becoming a popular mode of transportation in the city. And they go through how people are riding them this but then it goes on to say this underscores how the program is quickly becoming an important mode of transportation in the city of milwaukee well i don't know about that it's i think more just of a novelty um let's see they continue the reason for the wide adoption of scooters in a short time is their practicality as a form of transportation right now scooter riders are primarily confined to downtown milwaukee and the east side but we're already seeing scooters being used to reach neighborhoods traditionally underserved by fixed modes of mass transportation like Clark Square, Leighton Boulevard West, Sherman Park, and the near west side. With wider distribution, scooters could greatly help solve the last mile problem. Last mile refers to the distance that someone must cover to get to their destination after leaving mass transit, such as the bus. Scooters also increase vitality in urban areas, allowing people to move easily and freely among destinations. Scooters require no public sector investment and utilize existing infrastructure. The real dockless vehicle problem we face in our city are motor vehicles, not scooters. Uh, to become a world-class city, Milwaukee needs to prioritize the pedestrian and create a design plan that embraces alternative modes of transportation, etc., etc. It goes on. This makes it worthwhile to expand their use, not resist it. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'm, I'm not anti-scooter. I, I'm not. I'm just saying the way these things have been rolled out and the way they are operating now is not a positive. I Again, I understand where the role is, but I don't think these scooters belong in traffic. They don't belong on the sidewalks. 
And I think that just to say, all right, all of a sudden, you know, we're going to go from however many there are now, let's double or triple it, let's throw more scooters out there that people don't know how to operate or aren't willing to operate in a safe fashion. I actually think, mark the tape on this one, I think the mayor is absolutely correct. Say, look, we're going to put the brakes on this for a little while, and we're going to see how this all works out. Because the truth is, if people don't operate them in a legal fashion, well, then then we're not going to have them. And I think that's a fair comment. I don't put this burden on the Milwaukee Police Department. Lord knows they've got a lot of they've got a lot of more important things to do than give people tickets for riding scooters on the sidewalks and things like that. But I will say I'd say half of the scooters that I see operated when I'm downtown or on the lakefront, they're being driven on the sidewalks. And they're weaving in and out of pedestrians. And the other ones I see, well, a lot of them are being ridden on the roadways. But I would argue that, you know, these scooters don't belong mixing in with buses in downtown Milwaukee. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Drew is back in the studio lining up the calls. We're back in just a moment. All right, this editorial, this opinion piece appears in the Business Journal. It says says that, uh, hey, we need to embrace the scooters. Give us more, not give us less. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. number of people texting in, not only to weigh in on the scooter thing, but saying, we love Rick Springfield. Can't wait to see him while he's performing tonight. Scott on the south side. Scott, you're at WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, I just left uh, downtown Chicago uh, at a meeting at an office building. You're, it was funny that you mentioned it. They're, they're piled. And when I say piled, I mean actually literally piled literally piled on the side of this office building on the sidewalk. And I'm, I'm walking by and I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? It's just like, this is a, a rather nice office building. What's going right. on? And I walk in, the security guy's there, and I'm like, what's going on with the, with the scooters? They all roll their eyes and like, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's just... Well, right, and and you know what's going to happen. I mean, these, look, you just can't leave crap on the sidewalks, and, and so that's you what that's what I don't that. understand about this. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, you could leave, but you know, but, I mean, the, you know, see, I, like the the bike, the rental bikes. You know, I I get that because you have docking stations. You know, you, you don't you just don't dump those on the sidewalk. Yep. Right, yep. exactly, that, which I would understand. That that opinion, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm using air quotes now. That opinion piece, right? Of Milwaukee business. Quotes, air quotes again. Right. That's a marketing piece that they got somebody to put a name to. Yeah, cool. well, could be. No, that, thanks. Yeah, no. Well, thanks to call Scott. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, this whole idea is, and I understand the appeal of these scooters. It's like this is young, this is hip. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta love this. We, we need to have all these transportation alternatives. Now, the, the reality of this is that this idea of the, the last mile thing in these scooters. Give me a break. I mean, seriously, I, I'm trying to picture the the 42 year old business guy, you know, getting off the bus and saying, "Oh, gee, I've got another, you know, quarter mile to go to my house. I'm going to take one of these scooters and jump on it." Now, that, that 
that's not what this is. These th- these are not last mile options. These are hey, let's go down and have some fun and let's cruise around on these different things. And and that's that's what the use of this is. And that's not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, by the way. I mean that that's not a bad thing. I mean th- there's a role for that, but. If you're just going to dump these things on a sidewalk so it's impossible for pedestrians to get around, that is a problem. I I mean, candidly, I don't understand how you'd operate these things without a helmet. I think that's a disaster waiting to happen as well. And, again, I go back to the way I started this. You know, Tom Barrett and I disagree on a lot of stuff. I, I think he's absolutely right on this one where he says, let's put the brakes on this for until we figure this out because the way this is being rolled out isn't working and and maybe you need to change the business model maybe you need to change and say hey you know you you can't just dump them on the sidewalk you have to you know find a docking station or something like that zachary in waukesha zachary you're on wtmj hey jeff thanks for the thanks for taking my call um huge yes, fan of the scooter huge fan of the scooters very convenient um Convenience store. I went to the John Mayer concert last night. It was great. Went early, got all my concert stuff, but you obviously didn't want to carry it around, so I hopped on a scooter, my scooter, drove to my secret free Milwaukee parking spot, and dropped it off. Took the scooter right back. Um, super convenient. How, how far do you live from the? How far do you live from Fiserv? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I live in Waukesha, but I, I park. I park my car. Uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe like a mile, maybe like a mile away. Okay, got it. Parking and there's no um, road rules. Oh. <laughs> okay, no, got it. So, so it's Zachary, nice let me also way. ask you just before we go on. How old are you? What I'm 28. Okay, got it. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just trying to, I, I'm because I'm trying to picture, picture and figure out the the demographic of this, and you'd be in the demographic. Yeah. I got it. Okay. So anyhow, okay. So you you use the scooter going back and forth to the concert. Um, yeah, are there problems before. with them? Yeah, yeah there, there are sometimes. Um, so they have, uh, you know, they actually hire people out this company to charge them. So sometimes some have no batteries. So people will go grab them, charge them at their homes, and they actually make money off this. Um, so then they'll go put them oh, back okay. out on the streets once they um, once they're fully charged. Um, one guy tells me he's making an extra eight hundred dollars a month charging these scooters. Um, the thing that I don't like about the scooters, and I agree they need docking stations, so uh, I, I do agree with that, um, but they don't have any turn signals. And these things are going 15 miles per hour, um, top speed, I believe. Try making a left-hand, right-handed turn with your left hand while you're powering yeah. the gas pedals. Up your right <laughs> yeah. thumb. So now you're doing one mile, and it's Milwaukee. The roads aren't the smoothest at some places. So, right, um, right, right. Really potholes need... and urban traffic. Yeah, yeah and urban need... traffic. So you're dealing with buses and stuff, yeah. Yeah, you need, um, I think they need another little switch on the left-hand side. Um, uh, push it to the right. You're going right. Push it to, pull it to the left. You're going left. I think they need, that would be, that's my only safety concern with them. Um, but, no, I think they're really great, and they need to just, yeah, they just need to clean it up just a little bit. But, you know, me walking to my car from the concert, um, I couldn't find a scooter on the first walking to the, the, the thing. I was dying. I was sweating. I'm sick. <laughs> As I was, got on the scooter on the way back, had the breeze in my ear. It was great. And, and you know, and it only, it cost me $2. Um, it takes a, it costs to, $2 to, do to unlock that. it. It's a dollar to unlock the scooter, and then I think it's uh, twenty-five cents um, per minute. Okay, so, um, so what, once you get to your car, what, what once you get to your car, what do you do with it? What do you do with the scooter? 
Um, well, that time I um, left it unlocked because I was just throwing my stuff in the car, switching my shirt, right. and then I um, went back to the concert. So you just left it where... Yeah, so I just was right. That was that was like two seconds. But when I got back to the um, the stadium, I just found like a convenient spot. I didn't want to. I'm not putting. I'm gonna put it right in the sidewalk. You know, I'll try to lean it against a building or um, so you put it on the kickstand. It locks. They take a picture of the scooter and it says um, so it's in a safe spot because they're not supposed to put them on bridges or anything like that. Um, so they're supposed. To, they're, their company is trying to make sure that they're not just all Dumped. over the place. I mean, they're not doing a good job, but um, you have right. to take a picture, and that picture gets sent to the, the company. Um, and that, Got it. Okay, Zachary, thanks right. for the call. Again, and I, and I, and I, I want to... I, I understand that there is a role for these scooters. And I, I mean, again, I, like I was saying, I could see, and thanks for the call, Zachary. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I understand that there's a role. And I, I mean, I, again, I can see trucking up and down the lakefront on these things. I, I do seriously question the, the wisdom and the safety of, first of all, they're not allowed to be operated on sidewalks. And a good majority of people, maybe it's just educating the, the people who do it, but a, a good majority of people, or at least a good number of people, ride them on the sidewalk. So they're not supposed to do that. That is a hazard. Bike lanes, okay, that's fine. But there's a lot of places, particularly in downtown Milwaukee, where you don't have bike lanes. And and that's going to be true, too, as you start to get further and further out. So you're going to be talking about using these scooters and putting them in the middle of city traffic. Now, all right, I understand that there's a lot of people who think, oh, what's the big deal about that? Well, okay, j- just wait until you have the first situation where the guy on the scooter makes the turn in front of the city bus. See how well that turns out. Again, I go back to my basic premise. I think Tarrett is exactly right to say, Let's we're going to we're going to declare a moratorium on this. We're not going to eliminate them, but we got to figure out a way to deal with the problems that we're seeing rather than simply say, let's bring 2000 of these more on and then see that we're going to have even bigger problems. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) So very glad to have you with us. Broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair, I often say that just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean it is the right thing to do. And that's kind of my premise going in for what I want to talk to you about next. Um, Joaquin Castro is the brother of Julian Castro. Who, and, and Joaquin Castro is a, a representative, a, congress, a congressman from, the, from, from South Texas, from the San Antonio area. He is the twin brother and the campaign chairman of Julian Castro, who is one of the 20-plus people running for the Democratic nomination. All right, so um, what Joaquin Castro did... The other, the other day, this would have been Monday, so now we're talking about Wednesday, is he took to Twitter, and what he did is he went to public records. Now, admittedly, these are public records, and he found all the people that were in his district who had contributed the maximum amount, that's $2,000, to Donald Trump. So these were people. Now, of course, if you donate to a candidate, you know, the amount you have donated is public. Your name is public. And 
uh, under federal election rules, you have to list your employer. And so that that's public. So somebody can go find it. All right. So, I mean, I understand it's public. Well, what he did is he compiled a list. He found 44 donors who had each given $2,000 to President Trump. And these were in the San Antonio, San Antonio district. And then he found their businesses. Now, it's all listed. So he listed in this tweet, he sent out a note saying, well, let me get the exact thing um, with it. He essentially said, these are the people. These are like our, our neighbors who have given money to Donald Trump. The list was titled, Who's Funding Trump? And it listed, again, the names of all the people who had donated money, the, two th- the, the, the names of the 44 people in this one area who had donated the maximum amount of money to President Trump, and it listed their businesses. The tweet said, Sad to see so many San Antonios as 2019 maximum donors to Donald Trump. And then it lists the... The name, like person's name, like Jeff Wagner, employed by WTMJ, etc., etc. Then he writes, their contributions are fueling a campaign of hate that labels Hispanic immigrants as invaders. So he's calling out and he's listing in this tweet that he's sending out to his followers the names of all these people who have do- and their businesses who have donated to President Trump. Now. I understand, again, this is public information. If you wanted to find out, you know, whether or not somebody had made a donation to President Trump, you could go to the Federal Elections Commission website, and you could find it. it it's there. Same thing for Elizabeth Warren. Same thing for Julian Castro. Same thing for everyone. But what he decided to do is, I'm going to single out these people in our community, and I am going to name their businesses And I'm going to say they're giving money to President Trump. And, you know, we all know President Trump is promoting, you know, hatred towards, you know, this group or that group, etc. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He has the right to do that. And by that, I mean the information is public. So he's got the right to do it, to publish the names of the contributors and their businesses. My question is... Is this the right thing to do? Because clearly, let's understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to publicly shame these people, and I think he's probably also trying for, for having the audacity to write a check to Donald Trump, and he's also, I think, trying to call attention to what their businesses are so that people who don't agree with President Trump maybe retaliate against these people in their businesses. He's got a right to do it. I mean, it's not illegal. Is it the right thing to do? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And is, is this now, is this where we want to see campaigns go? You know, if somebody, you know, writes checks to Bernie Sanders, for example, you know, is it fair game for some Republican operative to now start making all those names public and, and you know, what those people's businesses are? I mean, is, is this... Is it the right thing to do? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 245. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Let's start with William in Milwaukee. William, you're first. Good afternoon. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, what do you think of this? Well, I have to ask, what is the difference between... Uh, releasing voter um, contributions and when 
talk radio in general releases the name of judges who uh, basically roll over a case that they don't like or might be too lean or whatever the case may be. Uh, most cases, it's not knowing all of the facts because of mitigating reasonings or. Uh, well, well, William, I, I'll answer your question. I mean, I think it's it's. I mean, thanks to call. I, I mean, I, I think it's apples and oranges. I mean, if if the calling out a judge who makes a sentencing. I mean, that, that a judge is a public figure. That that's his job. Identifying a judge who's come out with a ridiculous sentence and criticizing that. I guess I, I think. That, that that's completely fair. That's what the judge does. He's a public official. What they're doing here is they're taking private individuals. You know, they're not public figures. They're taking private individuals and they're saying, this is a private person who made a donation to Donald Trump. And this is, by the way, this is their business. Now, let, let's be honest. Why are they doing it? Well, they're, they're hoping that there's going to be intimidation brought on that person or their business. But, I mean, they're, they're private individuals as opposed to public figures. Do I think it's fair to say, oh, you have a congressman who, who cast a, a vote that's ridiculous? Oh, well, of course it is. I mean, that's they're, they're public figures. That's their job. In this case, you're calling out, again, people, and, and again, I think you have to look at what the intent is. And the intent is, gee, I want to identify these people, and I, I hope other people go out and intimidate them or call up their employers and get upset, etc. And here's a text that makes that point. Kevin says, for a party who claims to be open-minded and tolerant, this is pretty poor behavior. By posting those donors, the guy is openly hoping for intimidation. I would expect better behavior than this from an elected official. Jackie in Germantown. Jackie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. What do you think about all this? I feel like the political shaming that's going on in our country is extremely over-the-top and ridiculous. It is wrong. This is America. We're all entitled to our own opinions, but not in this. You know, I I go along the line of your kind of your views towards Trump. If he would just keep his mouth shut sometimes, he wouldn't be, there wouldn't be all this controversy. I've never given him a dollar. I'm not going to be on anybody's list. But this is crazy how somebody would do this. I feel horrible for El Paso. My heart is broken for these people. It's just out of control how all of this is linked to the politics piece, and it's all his fault and all this stuff. It's getting really crazy. Well, well, right, and, and this is this is an attempt to, <clears throat> I mean, it's an attempt to try to discourage people from wanting to participate in the political process by, by giving money, because if you give money, uh, we're going to identify you publicly, we're going to try to shame you, and we're going to indirectly, at least, encourage people to come out and harass you or harass their employers, you know, your employers. Uh, Jeff Wagner, who works for Northwestern Mutual or whatever, yeah. here, we want you to call Northwestern Mutual, and we want you to tell them that you don't like that that Jeff Wagner gave money. That's what the purpose behind this was, and yeah, that's why I, I just thought afraid. I find it appalling. You, you can't support right. It, it's dis- right. No, thanks for the call, Jack. You know, and again, now I I understand that there there's people out there that okay, if you run a business, right? We went through this with Act Ten and the whole Scott Walker recall. There were the groups that were out there saying, okay, the people that own X company, with Palermo's was one. People that own X company, Palermo's, we're going to boycott their stuff because you know they're supporters of Scott Walker. Well, okay, it, it, if if you want to do that. 
Uh, I, I mean, boycotts never work. That's kind of a childish way to approach things, and they never work, and most of the times they backfire. But but that's or, or at least that's okay. But that's not what this guy is doing. I mean, these aren't people, these aren't businesses that support President Trump or, or Elizabeth Warren or whatever. These are, these are individuals who have to, by law, they're required to list their employers. The purpose of making this public in this fashion was designed solely to try to intimidate these people and intimidate other other people from standing up and making contributions to Donald Trump. And that's why I say, again, regardless of how you feel about Trump or Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or whoever, I, I think as a tactic, whether this is being employed by the left or the right, even though you might have a right to do it, I stand by my comments. I think it's the not the right thing to do. Okay, when we come back, John McCure is in the house. We're going to find out what he has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.